Good Saturday morning to everybody and welcome to Mortgage Matters Radio Show in the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. Well, Rob, hey nice there. to see you there. You too, friend. Gary. Nice How haircut. You doing? You're looking Thank great. You, sir. I try to. <clears throat> How's the fall treating you? <laughs> you know, we're getting into it here. A little colder than I would hope, but yeah. transitioning, right? Yeah, I know. It's not you know. I, look, so many people love the autumn, and I get it. It's picturesque. Make no mistake about it. You have little warmer days and the cool nights, you know, I, and the whole nine yards. Um, and I'm not. I don't want to be Debbie Downer. I don't want to say that it doesn't look pretty. It does, but it, it's dying. So I mean, so that's that's why he, the leaves are changing and falling because they're dying. And I just see it as a precursor of things to come. And people who know me, who listen to my the, the show every morning, know I am not a winter person at all. I don't like snow. I don't like cold weather in the least bit. And I don't, I, I'll tell you what, I'll take snow on Christmas and then I want it to melt the day after. So, of course, chances of that, that happening are slim. Um, but that's that's really it. I've never been, I know you're a Florida guy. so Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to take the good with the bad. I like the visual. So, it's a nice time of year, you know, to be out and about enjoying the festivities, right? Sure. But... We know what's coming. That's my point. And you got to admit, and I have, I'll, I'll be the first to admit this, we really can't complain. Three winters oh, in I a know. row have been very mild. I know. Nothing to complain about there. I hope it's the same, you know, this year. I think we all do. I don't think very that's Very few, happen. but um, hey, that's the hope, right? That's yeah. the hope. The, the thing is, you know, we did the episode on seasonality, and right. a lot of people think – that it's just like crickets in the housing market during the winter, and it's just that's I find that's the most opportunities. Okay, and I think we talked about that even as recent as last week, or maybe it was the week before. But to that point, as you you're right, winter actually would probably be a good time, right? Because not everybody's you'd probably be one of a few going after a house rather than one of many less going after less competition. Yes. That being said, that's true. Come January, come the new year, mm-hmm. between Thanksgiving and New Year's, that's six week of time, though. I'm not saying houses don't go on the market and that nobody nobody buys, but that's of the 52 weeks a year. It's a little those quieter. Are, that six weeks has got to no, be I'll the say, least. But what I, what I found is that the people that are in the market then as buyers are very serious, right? They're very serious. Okay. They're very decisive at that time. They know what they're looking for. Because if you're in the market at the end of the year in the uh, New Year's slash um, – you know, holiday season, mm-hmm. then you're a serious buyer. You you know, you're not doing it for fun, right? So it, it it lends itself to like on my end just a higher conversion. So people calling me are more serious. They're more ready to buy a home. Those buyers that are getting under contract are ready to roll, you know, all their ducks in a row. Mm-hmm. Um I mean and I find that on the seller side too. If you're selling a home in that winter timeline Towards that end of year, New Year's, you're a serious seller because you're not doing it at that time so you can maximize your profit. You're just not. That's not the time of year to do that. There's a reason that you need to sell if you're selling in the winter. Yeah, I, I, as I was, tell, I was talking to you before we went to air and, and I was looking at a house uh, just uh, the other day. And <clears throat> first of all, I haven't went and looked at a house <laughs> in a number of weeks the the pickings are quite slim. Oh yeah, and they're getting slimmer. 
And, uh, you know, and, and I'm hearing, well, the, you know, the rates are, are higher, but but they're higher in comparison. They could go even higher, you know, than, mm-hmm. than right now. Has there is there any link or any relationship between the buyer and the interest rate? Is there a threshold where people will say, I know you like to compare. Well, back in the 80s, right. it was well, back in the 80s, some of these people weren't even born. So they're not using that as a comparison. They they just care about them. Well, not in my lifetime, I'm used to this, and if I'm going to buy, it ain't going to be at twenty percent. You know. So is but is there a threshold that you think that the average person would just be would say that's too high? And the Fed says, okay, we learned a lesson here. This is the benchmark. We now we've got to go. I don't think I mean, I can't talk on the higher side of the numbers, because like you said, rates are rising and they're at this point, they haven't stopped rising. Right. So we haven't seen that elastic band pop yet or break. Um, I can tell you on the way down, a lot of people have used I've heard economists as well as just homeowners and consumers and people that want to buy homes. I've heard a number of like in the five and a half to six percent range being kind of a sweet spot where you're if and when we see the rates tick down to that level where people can get a new mortgage at five and a half to six percent, you're going to see a lot of people get in the market because that's where the pain isn't so bad. Five and a half, six doesn't seem so bad from, you know, three or four versus going from three or four to eight plus. Right. So that's kind of the sweet spot on the way down. But, you know, people need a house to live in no matter what the rate is, even if it is 20 percent. So there's a percentage of people that will buy a house, even if the rate is double digit, you know, tripled now no, just kidding but double digit there's definitely people that would still buy a home but as the rate goes up two things happen number one less people are qualified so they can't afford the house anymore or they could afford 400 now they can only afford 375 because that tick up in rate that tick up in mortgage payment so that's something that we have no control over because the higher the rates go those people just literally get peeled out of the market they can't buy a home anymore in certain price range or they have to reduce their price point which we know in this market, that doesn't help. That only hurts. Oh. So that's the big deal of why, you know, the higher price points are having an impact is because of the affordability, meaning the mortgage qualification. I see that being a bigger thing than, hey, I can get you qualified for a home and the payment may be a little higher than you want. I think today's home buyer understands the rates have been high enough, long enough that they understand this is a cycle and, hey, this is what it is for now. This is reality, but this may not be my mortgage in a couple years. I think the astute home buyer of today, the first time buyer gets that. They're scared because they don't know how long it's going to be, but they get that. But the part they don't have control over and their emotions really aren't involved in is, again, the mortgage company saying, no, you cannot buy that house anymore. Now it's lower. That's the piece, Gary, where I think we're going to see prices ultimately come down. Because when the rates go high enough and there's so few people that can qualify, then it's like the seller puts the house on and there's only three people at the open house in a week. All right, now we got to lower the price. You see, it's just that domino effect. How far out are we from that? How much longer, how much further does the Fed have to go? These are the questions that we don't know the answers to. So to your point, you're still in you, you'll still have business, but you're just going to have business to a smaller group of people that are eligible and qualified to be the buyer. The general public start getting squeezed out. I'm out. You know, I'm this this person's out. I can no longer no, I can't afford this anymore. So while you still have business to be made, 
it's the same smaller pool of people it's, it's who have the money pool. rather than the general masses, you know, that. Yes, it's, it, a, it's a smaller pool. But again, there will still be people that have to sell homes. There will still be people that have to buy homes. And the financial aspect of it, we got to put aside. So, you know, to that point, a lot of those people that are getting affected by this are entrepreneurs, business owners, right? Mm-hmm. Um, people that do side gigs is a big thing today. Uber, Lyft, all these like side things you can do to make money. So those people have really had an issue for decades getting mortgages because it's hard to document the income. It's hard to really show like how they can repay the loan. So I've gotten so many questions and so many people reaching out thinking that either they can't get approved or they tried to get approved and they couldn't, wondering what are the options? Are there are there certain circumstances that a self-employed or a entrepreneurial individual can get a mortgage? Are there different programs available now that maybe weren't available six months ago, a year ago? The answer is yes. And that's why I wanted to dive in on this show, Gary, is mortgages for the modern entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Mortgages people can get today that maybe weren't available in the past. You may have gotten denied in the past. Now, as these lending guidelines, as we're discussing, less people are qualified, mortgage lenders, banks – People that make these programs are expanding guidelines. They're making it more available so to get a mortgage. As someone with extensive experience in the real estate and mortgage industry like you, I mean, how have you seen the landscape change for entrepreneurs and those self-employed individuals over the years? Yeah, so when I started in the industry, Gary, uh, it was in like the – oh. I'm going to say 04. I'm trying to think when I was making my first calls, you know, I'm thinking back to my college dorm room. But anyways, um, it was in that 03, 04, 05 timeline. And back then there were loans called no income or stated income loans. They're not available now anymore in that format. But basically they were for entrepreneurs, for business owners, and they didn't require any income verification. So they were very good. They were very easy to get. Um, They didn't require high credit score requirements, which was nice too, very flexible. So that was good. So stated income loans and no ratio loans was another one that we used back in the day. Those went away in like 2006 when the whole housing market change, 07-ish, like all those programs went away. The government basically outlawed those loans because they were, in in a lot of regard, they were responsible for the housing crash that happened. So they tightened up. And I feel like from about 2007, 2008, up until like 2019, 2020, we really had a scenario where there were little to little to no um, specific loans for self-employed for entrepreneurs. You had to do a conventional mortgage, show your tax return, that sort of thing. There might have been one-off banks here and there offerings, limited income type of loans, but they weren't mainstream like they are now today, where there's a lot of investors and a lot of opportunity. So there was especially tightening during COVID. And anyone that was self-employed that tried to get a mortgage anytime between May of 2020 up until like early 2022 was how long those guidelines were in play. They had a lot of extra Extra scrutiny. We had to show bank statements that you actually were making money at your business because, as you know, so many weren't. So many went out of business during that time. But what we saw with that extreme tightening with COVID at the end of that, 
at the exit when they actually got rid of those final guidelines. Now it opened up a lot of options. They're not conventional mortgages. They're non-QM, you know, but there's so many different options we'll be talking about. Bank statement loans, profit and loss loans, um, asset depletion. And there is even now one bank that I'm aware of that offers a completely no income loan where you don't have to put anything on the loan application at all. Yes, the interest rate is considerably higher. Yes, you have to put a substantial down payment. But the bottom line is it's available now where it wasn't available a while back. And it's opening these opportunities for people that maybe couldn't get approved for a loan at all. Or if they were getting approved, it was a lower price point like we were discussing. It was an amount that wasn't going to make their real estate dreams a reality. Mm. I'm finding on these self-employed specific type of loans, the debt ratios are very flexible. There's a lot more income we can show so people can qualify for more home. What do you recommend to self-employed individuals to ensure that they receive, you know, like, you know, the best financing for whatever their unique financial situation happens to be? This is a really important question because a lot of people that go about getting a mortgage, they, and we've discussed the fact that they'll just go to their bank, their credit union, wherever they've got that relationship. Hey, they do mortgages. Let's go with it. And what you'll find is, you know, if you've got a a very clean vanilla situation, as we call it, that might work for you. You know, great credit, plenty of income, low debt. That's fine. But most people don't fit into that box. And especially if you're an entrepreneur, if you're someone that has irregular income or income from different streams, it's not as easy to document on your taxes. Maybe you write off most of your income or a substantial amount, like many business owners. Take advantage of the tax code that's in place, much like our politicians and our leaders do. We can do that too. But the flip side of that is it's harder to get a conventional mortgage because they're looking at those taxes. They're looking at those areas where you're cutting corners, maybe, so to speak, or you're trying to lower your taxable income. Well, that makes it a lower mortgage qualification. So the thing that's unfortunate is that most banks and credit unions and even just lenders that are new in the business in general, they kind of try to fit you in one of very few boxes. They don't have a lot of outlets. So I specifically recommend if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a business owner, make sure you're working with a mortgage broker. This is one case where I want to get very specific. You want to work with a mortgage broker. You don't want to work with a mortgage banker. You don't want to work with a credit union. You don't want to work with a local bank. And the reason why is because those institutions historically do not cater to the self-employed. Those organizations do not have the loan programs we're talking about. So before you even go down that road, find out. Do they have a profit and loss loan with no taxes required? Do they have a bank statement loan? If they look at you with a weird look or they don't give you a straight answer, again, go somewhere else. And I think a mortgage broker is the best place for a self-employed person to get a mortgage because as a mortgage broker, we have access to dozens or hundreds of lenders and there's so many options. You must have a ton of success stories with with these self-employed clients, right? I do. And I, I have a great success story actually um, just closing on a home this week, and he's a listener of the show, and that's why I think it was such a big deal. Is that he had reached out, gentleman named Tim from Canton, Connecticut, and he's a you know blue collar uh, biz- business owner with an HVAC company. Okay, so he's out every day fixing people's homes, fixing their AC units and all that. And guy makes great money. But like we mentioned, has taken advantage of the tax code and doesn't show a lot of income on his taxes. He had tried getting mortgages from two banks before he found me and just both of them right off the bat denied him because his taxable income is laughable. It's less than most people's, you know, less than the median income when you can't afford a home on what he showed. Okay. So it was very low. But when we looked at his tax returns 
or excuse me, we looked at his bank statements instead of his tax returns, the truth came out, which was this guy has a substantial, almost a seven figure a year type of business. Okay, oh, substantial. Wow. Wouldn't know it by looking at his taxes, though. But with that said, we were able to get him pr- approved with flying colors, like with no issue at all on a, an entry-level home that he really liked. So it was great because he came to me defeated, but he said, I've heard your show. I've heard what you can do. Let's see what we can do. And we got him into a home with only 15% down, where he thought he was going to have to put like a ridiculous down payment, 15% down, really competitive rate, and just a great scenario. So that's number one. Second one is Dan from Woodbury. He's a gig worker. He works uh, both Uber and Lyft you know, on the side. We used a profit and loss program for him, and we got him refinanced to pay off all of his debt, even though he thought he wouldn't qualify due to his taxes. You know, there's so many self-employed people, and believe me, I was one of them for 30 years, who, you know, mm-hmm. air, and you've got a fluctuating income. So how do you show that their financial stability, how do you show that to lenders? Yeah, it, it's a... It's an intricate dance, and again, why it's so important on who you work with, because you have to know the guidelines of these loans. They're very different from conventional mortgage or government mortgage guidelines. So if you're not dealing with someone that has extensive experience in navigating this stuff, you can really find yourself uh, up the creek without a paddle, as they say. What I would tell you is the most important thing is the amount of time you've had your business. It's very difficult or impossible to get a self-employed loan like we're talking about if you just started your business. Generally on these, it's a one to two year minimum self-employed time that you've had your business. The more, the better. And the real hard, fast rule in lending is two years that you've been in business. How do you prove that? We look on LLC records, Secretary of State, articles of incorporation, things like that. So it's not just you decided to start a business one day and then you incorporated two years later. We need real documents in writing of when you started. So I think number one of how you can show your financial stability as a business owner is have an established business for at least a couple of years. You know, So that's right off the bat. The second thing is a lot of people don't think about this, but non-sufficient funds fees, NSF fees. So a lot of these self-employed loans look at your bank statements. They don't just look at one or two months. We're looking at, you know, on like a business bank statement loan, we're looking at 12 to 24 months of your bank statements. So you can imagine non-sufficient funds can come up sometimes, right? You got all this money coming in and coming out. These self-employed loans look at that as a red flag. So if it just happened once here or once there, it's no big deal. But I've seen some self-employed people that treat their bank account like a piggy bank that's unlimited. And every couple of days, they've got non-sufficient funds for you. Every month, there is a negative balance. That's a no-no. That's a big red flag. So be very, very aware of the money you have coming in and going out of your account. You want to avoid non-sufficient funds fees completely. And if you have them, make sure it's isolated. Uh, some of the lenders will allow, you know, couple over the course of a year. Folks, you've been listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show in the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast. If you'd like to schedule a meeting with Rob, very easy to do. Give him a buzz at 860-413-3938, and you can check him out online at robgw.com. I'll repeat those uh, points of contact, and I'll throw in an, an email address more towards the end of the show. Rob, what advice, then, would you have for first-time homebuyers who, uh, who are actually entrepreneurs and they're looking to invest in real estate while maintaining their business. Yeah, yeah, that's a big 
It's a big dream for a lot of people, sure. you know, have that business rolling, bringing you in money and have a real estate portfolio growing, too. So I would say, first of all, be prepared because one size doesn't fit all as we're discussing. And you may think I don't qualify based on my taxes, but you might. So don't leave any stone unturned. Have your documents prepared so we can look at your tax return. We can look at your bank statements. We can fit you in which program is going to work best for you to get you the best deal, which to me, the best deal is the lowest down payment and the lowest interest rate. That's the main things that we're looking at. So we can fit you in that right program. Next thing is that you want to make sure that you have a ability to receive documentation from us. Communication, I think, is really what I'm trying to say. So if we need to ask you for something, you need to be able to get us something. So a bank statement from last year, copy of your driver's license, copy of a document for your business, these different things. You want to make sure that you have the ability to do that from your phone, from your laptop, from somewhere, because there's going to be things that are going to be needed throughout the process. Uh, And then the last thing would be make sure that you've got your CPA or tax preparer as your ally. You want to have a really good relationship with them because a lot of these self-employed programs do require some sort of documentation, some sort of letter or verification from your CPA or tax preparer. So having them on alert, having them ready to help you to understand, hey, I'm in the middle of trying to get a mortgage. I'm going to need your assistance. That's going to really help things move along smoothly. Don't just throw it at them at the last minute. I would imagine a a credit history um, that's got to play a role in obtaining a mortgage, right? Of I mean, co- I mean, of course, credit are there history, strategies that maybe you could. I don't know. I'm just. I mean, credit. I would tell you, credit is one of the most important things to getting a mortgage, and self-employed mortgages no different than any other type of loan. So you want to keep your debt as low as possible. I know a lot of self-employed business owners, entrepreneurs out there, they put credit cards in their personal name to get things rolling, and they don't really think about how that's going to affect them when it comes to getting a house. I even had a business owner the other day that had multiple cars in his name that were all business vehicles, but the guy had like two grand a month in car payments. And his income was very, very limited. So let's just say a pre-approval was not in the cards. He didn't realize, though, that all those business debts, quote unquote, that he co-signed for, that he guaranteed were going to affect him when it came to buying a home. So keep your debt as low as possible and keep it out of your personal name if you can. You know, if you're a true business owner with a a legitimate business, pay off credit cards before you move forward with the loan application. Pay the credit cards down or pay them off before the statement end date to ensure the score is as high as possible when the mortgage lender actually pulls your credit. Utilize a soft pull. This is something I've really been honing in on with a lot of my clients is using a soft credit pull up front to kind of screen where they're at and what work needs to be done before we move forward with a full hard inquiry, which has an impact on your credit score potentially. It shows as an inquiry, so you'd have to explain it. So with the housing market the way it is now, and some of these buyers, it can take three to six months to get a home, go under contract, etc. The soft pull up front is big. Not all lenders do this. So make sure you ask your lender, especially if you're early in the process, if they can start with a soft pull to protect you and give you that game plan. We can do almost everything with a soft pull that we can do with a hard pull other than automated underwriting. And with most of these self-employed loan programs, there is no automated underwriting. So there's really no advantage Hmm. to having that hard credit pull so early in the process. Can you offer, I'm running out of time. So this would be my last question. Maybe some insights into the advantages of, let's say, working with a local real estate, you know, and mortgage expert like yourself, 
here in Connecticut, especially for entrepreneurs who are looking to, you know, make their mark in the real estate market. Right. So like any business owner knows, the team behind you who's running your business and helping you is important. It's Mm -hmm. the same thing with real estate, buying a home and financing. The team behind you is going to make or break your entire process. I've found, especially with realtors, local is key. So make sure you've got a realtor that has a lot of experience in the particular area or county that you are looking to buy in, okay? The market's very different in different areas. Even if they're maybe 20 minutes apart, you'd be surprised how things can really drastically change, and that's important. Reputation and experience are paramount. We always say that, but especially today, it can make or break a transaction because some difficult things can come up, and if you know how to navigate them with experience, then it can become just a speed bump in a road. I found some of these newer novice agents trying to help their friends buy homes. We hit a little speed bump. The whole deal is derailed. The whole thing falls apart because they don't have the experience to be able to fix it. So that's really important. As a business owner, you need someone that can support you because you're busy doing your thing, running your business. So you need to make sure you've got the right people behind you to kind of keep that mortgage and real estate process moving forward. And the last thing is communication is key. So make sure you have that buttoned up very, very early in the process. Uh, make sure that you know how everyone's communicating. If your realtor likes texting, great. Let's get that ironed out up front. If you're not going to be available for phone calls from 12 to 5 every day, that's fine. Let us know. Let's have kind of that schedule, so to speak, of when we can all communicate with each other. And that's going to make sure there are no delays because I'll tell you, it's so frustrating, Gary, to be in a transaction and be waiting on someone like a real estate agent or a lender or an attorney. And by having that buttoned up communication up front, it can it can just really make a great process for everyone and a lot less stressful. Rob, you know what's frustrating is being an entrepreneur and doing well in business and being told that uh, you don't really qualify for a mortgage from your bank. I had no idea that people like you, you know, mortgage advisors, are, are even existed. I heard of financial advisors. Well, I have one of those too, mm-hmm. you know, um, and he's completely separate from right. what you do. So just knowing that if you're a gig worker, if you're self-employed, if you're 1099, you that doesn't mean that you're not eligible to get your own no, mortgage. No, you're and, probably way more eligible than you understand. <laughs> But the thing is, Gary, most people don't realize there's mortgage advisors out there. They don't understand there's people that are there to help you. And they think it's that old adage when you think of getting a loan, you think of the big bank building, walking in, the guy in the suit, shaking your hand, sitting down. That was the way it was, right? But today – In the modern era, mortgage is now like everything else. It's virtual. It's hybrid. It's both we can do stuff in person, we can do it online. And what that's created is innovation in the industry, which has led to these loan products. So I tell our listeners, don't take no for an answer. Make sure you you uncover and unlock every stone that you can before you give up. Okay, because so many people were on the cusp of giving up. They were about to just throw in the towel and then they find out there's loans available. There's programs available. There's something out there to help me. And that is the game changer. That's what turns mm-hmm. it from a failure to a success. And that's what this show is all about. That's what our episode's all about today. Yeah, well, this is why this show is so important. People are every day, they're learning more of their options and learning more about you folks. If you'd like more information on this show or any of the other shows uh, that we do here, simply head online to uh, mortgage 
excuse me, to robgw.com. Let me say that again, www.robgw.com. If you'd like to send an email to the show, maybe you've got a question that you'd like to have answered on these airwaves. Uh, that's easy to do as well. Simply email us at Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com. But what I always say is there's nothing like personal contact. Make the consultation. And if you can't do it today, at least write the number down and call Monday, 860-413-3938. I'll repeat that for you, 860-413-3938. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thank you so much for listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast. Until next Saturday morning. Have a good one, everybody. So long.